And the name of the message, I'm a little out of order, the name of the message today is, is Prison of Offense. No, Michael Glisson, it's not Prison of Offense. Prison of Offense. Okay, so what I want to work on is right now is the difference between taking offense and the spirit of offense. Okay? Now, offense is, uh, an offense is taken when uh, we're upset about an action. Okay? Uh, I don't know this or not, and I'm not want to put words in anyone's mouth, but there was someone here looking for a car and had high hopes of the car, and they got there, and I don't think the car was as advertised, and they traveled all across somewhere. They, they traveled a long distance. I would be offended by that. It would bother me. Now, the difference is when the spirit gets involved. So if we're going to talk about the spirit, I want to talk about what a spirit is. And it's really a good time to start talking about the spirit. We're so close to Halloween, right? Let me tell you what spirits are not. Spirits are not ghosts and goblins. Spirits are not people that are unsatisfied after they die and they're wandering the earth. Spirits are not our loved ones checking in on us. That is not what a spirit is. And that's clear in Scripture. And let's take a quick look at it now uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Go ahead, Bob. This mic won't come on. No. Okay. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, we do not become spirits and wander aimlessly around the earth. In fact, the closest biblical example of a haunting can be found in Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20, when a legion of demons possessed a man to haunt at a graveyard. Let's pause there. Okay. So when we pass from the... Now, notice where this is written. What, what book is this written? This is written in Hebrews. Who knows where the book of Hebrews is written? Old Testament or New? Uh-oh. Split decision. Splitting already. Another division in the church. Bob? The book of Hebrews is thought to be uh, New Testament and possibly later on in time. But I believe it's a, trans, I mean a book that was written by Paul in the New Testament. You would be correct. Um, you would be correct. So when we pass from this world, we have to understand that the spirit realm, and there is a spirit realm, when we pass from this world, the spirit realm is where we enter, but we enter to the spirit realm for judgment. Now that sounds scary. The J word is scary. It sounds scary, but let's not, let's not live in that for just a second. So we are either going to pass away and we're going to go to heaven, or we're going to pass away, or we're going to go to hell. Okay? There's no in-between. That could be argued. I know the Catholic Church believes in a purgatory. I also wonder what the Catholic Church does if I repented in front of a man and then sinned and then got hit by a bus and before I got a chance to go repent again. What happens to me there? Okay, so I don't know, and I haven't had a conversation with them. They may have a good reason. But Scripture tells us, tells us that when we pass, we pass on to judgment. Okay, 
In fact, and this is where you started to go, in Mark chapter 5, um, we see the closest biblical example of a haunting, and it has nothing to do with you or I. It has to do with demons. I don't know if you can get to Mark 5, 2 through 5 or not. If not, let me know and I'll read it. While he's looking for that, uh, we have an incredible curriculum for Sunday school. Uh, it's going to be um, almost like a back to the basics kind of thing. But this is also a chance for you to come ask questions too. And even ask questions about the previous sermon. Or ask questions about what in the world is your pastor thinking. All right, go ahead. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And they came to the other side of the sea, that would be the Sea of Galilee. I'm sorry, the... Mark 5, 2 through 5. Mark chapter 5? Five. 5, 2 through 5. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This guy was wandering around a graveyard, freaking a bunch of people out. But he was alive. He was very much alive. But he had many, many, many spirits within him. Many spirits within. We're going to talk about that later. But I want, you to, I want us to take from this that spirits are not walking around. They exist in another realm or another plane. What they can do is, if we allow it, is to, uh, is to affect us in our spirit level, in our hearts. Now, I wrote a sidebar here because it seemed pretty gloom. We're going to be Halloween and half of us are going to worry about being possessed. In a moment, I'll talk about the spirit of offense. But first, let's read just a few more verses and now we can go back to Mark 5, chapter 6. Bob. And he sent out from there, and he came into his home town, and his disciples followed him. Is that where you're talking? I have something a little different. I hope I didn't write it down wrong. Oh, six through seven. I'm sorry. No, you're all right. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God. Do not torment me. There we go. The demons of this world knew Jesus. Even knew him from afar. Even the evil spirits of the world have to bow down before our Savior. Amen. That deserves an amen. Even the evil spirits of the world have to bow down before our Savior. That's right. Amen. I don't want you to go home and fear uh, possession or start looking it up. And please don't watch movies in Hollywood. Because it gets really, really weird, but we, we cannot be possessed if Christ lives within Amen. us. That goes back to what I said before, that the amount of faith is equivalent, or the amount of healing is equivalent to the amount of faith that you have. So, offense versus spirit of offense. 
I think we have something for the screen. The spirit of offense can, keeping, can keep us from loving each other like God loves us. Now, how many of you, and I'm guilty myself, how many of you have been offended by something, and it sets so deep with us, where I don't even want to talk to the guy anymore. I don't want nothing to do with this person. Because every time I do, it seems that he breaks my heart or he ticks me off. So I took, I, took the, the, uh, I took offense, and I allowed the spirit of offense to come in. There's been people in this church. I'm not going to say that, because then you're going to be wondering, who was it? But there are people that get offended in this church. It happens. What do we do to guard ourselves from taking on the spirit of offense? And the spirit of offense is a demonic spirit. It is, in fact, a demonic spirit. It, uh, 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 the devil cannot have your heart, cannot have your spirit. It's yours. It's an, it's an untakeawayable gift from God. But as we live in the world and we're fighting in spiritual warfare, spirits can find a way to attach themselves to our spirit. And it serves as a squelch Sometimes light, sometimes heavy. It serves as a squelch to keep our heart from speaking, our spirit from speaking to our soul. That is the spirit of offense. Now, we are at war. It's good that we don't have to fight it, and it's already won, but we're at war. And anytime there's a war, there's three things. There's an agenda, there's a strategy, and there's a tactic. Satan's agenda is destruction. His strategy is division, and his tactic is distraction. Yes. Now, we can do this. God loves people in relationship. Actually, he loves married couples. Because that's what we were designed to be. And also, you find in various parts of Scripture, uh, various places throughout Scripture, that God compares a husband and wife to us and him. He's our Godhead. We are the bride of Christ. Yeah. So if the devil is destructive, and we know this, what is it, Mark 10.10 or Matthew? It says the devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? Satan's come to do that, Right? All right, we also know that he's not a dummy. So we are made in the image of God to have relationship with one another. Do we have, who are our youngest couples here today? If you're uh, a couple in your 40s, raise your hands. The division is too strong. I know we got another couple in here. Uh, Chuck, is that you back there? Chuck and Sandy, come on up. And I, only, I didn't call on you, because I know there's stuff going on, and I, I need to be the only one sick today. Okay? Did you get offended by that? No. Okay. I'll try it later. <laughs> Chuck and Sandy, come on up. I promise I am not contagious. <coughs> I'm kidding. You keep saying that. <laughs>
How long have you two been married? Please don't say four years. Okay, good. All right. So these guys have been married four years. 44 years. Sorry. Medicine's talking. All right. So I want you guys to stand together and put your arm around her like you would if you're watching a game or you're watching a movie together, right? And said you're standing up. So this is an example of the relationship that God has us designed for. Now, the devil's smart. The devil never, ever, ever goes, Chuck and Sandy, I'm the devil and I'm going to ruin your message. I mean, your marriage. Never says that, right? If he did say it to you, what would you say? We'd be together. Satan, get behind thee, Satan, right? Very good. So what does the devil do? He uses the spirit of offense. And if it would, just step forward here. You keep your arm around your beloved. So the devil comes in, and Lord, I don't, I don't think I'm saying what y'all do, but I hope I'm not. The devil comes in, and, uh, and Chuck gets home from wherever he's going, and uh, he's asking for dinner. Sandy's been busy, couldn't prep dinner. Sandy, will you make me some dinner? No, no, I'm, I'm tired too. Chuck's offended. Not enough, right? Not enough, but what starts to happen? Oh, there we go. You're still there. Right? It wasn't a big deal. You get that ticked off at your wife when she doesn't cook? Can't <laughs> Yeah. You can't talk about it here. All right, and then Sandy comes home. Now, Sandy loves fellowshipping with people in the church, right? But one, one day she comes home, and she's went to the thrift store with Linda, and, and she has spent $700 on socks. Chuck, okay, now there's, there's a little bit of a problem. I still love you, but I'm mad at you. Somebody's going to start sleeping on a couch. So these little offenses come in, and little things happen when they're not addressed, and these little uh, offenses become a spirit of offense. I'm not asking this question for anyone to answer, but how many people, how many people have stopped making love? Don't answer that. At some point, these little wedges, even though you still want to be together, these little wedges push you so far apart. And you think they're all these little things, but it's developed into a spirit of offense because you're upset with him for what he's doing. And you don't emotionally feel like getting intimate with him. And you're upset with her because she won't be intimate with you, so you start to think there's something wrong with you. But instead of talking about it, that wedge goes further and further apart. That is the spirit of offense. Now, before you sit down, the reason, the reason that it's important that we understand what the spirit of, defense, uh, of offense is is so we can begin to formulate a strategy to erase that spirit of offense. I know there are people in here offended with each other right now, and I know it's turned pretty rotten. I would love to see that come. But what happens is when you look into the Word of God, and you read the Word of God, and we're going to go over this next week. When you put your feelings and filter them through the Bible, miracles start to happen in your relationship. And then you get closer. may not happen right away, but you get closer and closer. Let's give a big hand for Chuck and Sandy. So I made a promise to you guys before uh, yesterday, and I want to do that, but uh, let me close with this. 
Satan won't come out and say you're in trouble. You start to feel through spirits that attach themselves in you that you're in trouble. But there is salvation when we bring it to the cross. And I don't want it to be a very generic thing. Oh, Lord, get the devils off my back. That's not what we're going to do next week. We're going to dive in and learn how to squash the spirit of offense. And with time and wisdom, we, are, we will become a people that refuse to be offended. Does that sound good? Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Now, my question to you is, and this is a message out of Proverbs 4, my question is, will you pursue wisdom or will you pursue wickedness? And the answer is, seems easy, right? It seems simple. But it's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of your heart. I can try, I can try, try, try not to leave here and go eat a cheeseburger because I can't remember the last solid food I ate in a week. But I can't do it unless I use my body and I speak to my spirit and I say, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot handle this on my own. I need you, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes. We'll get more specific next week, but I want to, uh, in just 30 seconds, toss to a video. Last week, um, last week, um, Teresa sang a song, Good, Good Father. And I shared with you the skit, that's what they're called, skits. I shared with you a skit that uh, I put together uh, with a group of people at another church. And they filmed it. 